at the time, I was trying to get a job, couldn't get a job. Greg, uh, ironically, is doing a series on Imagine the Possibilities and the process of, of the, the uh, additions to the church. What does that look like if God was able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine? What, what could he do through you? So I'm driving and the Lord just kind of whispers, imagine physical therapy. And it just kind of ignited within me. Got home, told my wife, we were here in Park West having a prayer time for a cleansing stream with Miggsy and Fern Jensen. And, and Miggsy said, why don't you go over and look in that uh, East Shore building? And I'm thinking, that's just crazy. It's so far out, there's nobody else out here. But I knew Miggsy would ask me again if I went and looked. So out of respect for Miggsy, I came in, asked the guy at the front desk on a lonely Sunday afternoon if they had any space. He opened the door over here, and it was like I could hear the angels go, ah, and uh, hence, imagine physical therapy. The process was, all right, Lord, you started this thing. I need someone who's gonna be there for me. Well, every person who's come to work for me, I've had a need. I asked the Lord and he's provided them. When uh, Lisa and I were writing the mission statement, it says that Imagine Physical Therapy will provide immeasurably more physical therapy than we could ask or imagine to the glory of God, following the ministry of Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. You know, Lord had, and he reminded me, he'd been poking me about tithing for the business and I was like going, I'm already tithing, <laughs> like it's all his anyway. So in so doing, it made it perfectly clear as Greg taught that that uh, truth about giving the first fruits. So we all decided that's the first thing to do. Each month, Lisa, my office manager, brings me that that uh, best check I, I get to give back every month. That we pray over that check, sign that check, and and uh, send it off. And then the, then the sweet deal is over and over. As people come up and they don't have an ability to make their co-payment or their insurance poops out or insurance doesn't do anything, it's like, what do we need to do? You guys decide, we'll take care of it, and then Lord always provides for the difference. It's just fun to give it away. Lord keeps providing and, and uh, we can take care of the rest. The easy and the hard part. Easy part is it's his business. So um, I can, he has been faithful for the last seven years. He's been faithful through my entire life. He's been faithful time and again, providing every need that we've had in his time and not my time. In 2013, Seacoast Church celebrates 25 years of serving God and changing lives. God has blessed Seacoast immeasurably, but we believe that the best is yet to come. Next is about celebrating our here while asking God to show us our there. Next is also about God's plan for you. He has a next for you, whether you know it or not. So let's take some time to discover your next and what it will take to get there. Well, good morning, everybody. What a great day to worship the Lord. Would you agree with that? I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site uh, campus or uh, in the chapel or the warehouse or on the internet, wherever you happen to be. could even be Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh this week. It snowed there. God bless you. It's not snowing here. Okay. But uh, we're glad that you guys are along. Hey, I know it's the weekend. And I know we relax, and I know we chill, but I want to ask you a geography and history question as we start. Are you ready for this? Okay. Does anybody know the name of this mountain right here uh, and the, the guy that first climbed it? Anybody know? Okay, I'll give you a part of it. Mount Everest, okay? 29,000 feet high. Anybody know the, the first guy that climbed that? Oh, come on. Anybody? Last night they, they all got it. 
Hillary, Edmund Hillary, a New Zealander. We have New Zealanders in the church. Uh, climbed that mountain. But here's what you may not have known. But there were actually two guys. And we're not sure if Edmund Hillary was the first guy that stepped on the mountain. They came up together. And the second guy's name uh, was uh, Tenzig Nor Norgay. Tenzig Norgay. Now let me tell you a little bit of backstory about Tenzig Norgay. Uh, in 1935, 20 years before they actually uh, got to the top, 21-year-old uh, Tenzig Norgay made his first trip up Mount Everest. He was uh, what was called a British porter, um, a team that would climb a mountain. It would be sometimes hundreds of people that would be in the team. And the porters would carry the, uh, carry the luggage, carry the food, all that kind of thing. And it would be as, as much as uh, two and a half tons of stuff that you just had to lug up the mountain. And he was one of the guys uh, that did that. The expedition that he went on in uh, 1935 didn't make it all the way to the top. Nobody had yet. But just before they packed it in, uh, they came across a very grisly uh, scene on the mountain. There was a wind-shredded tent and a skeleton with just a little bit of frozen skin over the bone. One boot was off. The laces of the other boot were between bony fingers. And at that point, he, if he didn't know before, he realized that mountain climbing is not for the faint of heart. Because the highest peaks are some of the most inhospitable places uh, in the world. And so, uh, actually, experts believe that the bodies of 120 failed climbers remain on the mountain today. Between 1920 and 1952, there were seven major expeditions up the mountain, and every one of them failed. And Tenzig Norgay was on six of the seven that didn't make it. But in 1953, he embarked on his seventh expedition with a British group led by Colonel John Hunt. And I've got their pictures. Uh, Colonel Hunt is the guy in the middle. Um, uh, um, oh, what's wrong with me? Who's the guy that got the, uh, you guys get, got me? Uh, Edmund Hillary. I knew it. Okay, uh, it's the guy on the left. Tenzig Norgay is the guy on the right. Actually, what happened was Hunt, being the guy that paid for the whole thing and led the expedition, he's supposed to be the first guy up the up the uh, you know up the mountain and gets his picture taken and all of that. And he got the first crack at it, uh, but he got within 300, uh, 300 yards of the top of the mountain, and his oxygen gave away, and he had to come back down to actually to the to the base camp that was there. And so he he assigned Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Norgay uh, to be the guys that go on to the top. Now, by this time, Norgay's 35 years old. He'd become respected. He'd learned a lot. And the greatest lesson that he learned is that no one should underestimate the difficulty of the climb. He, is, he and his team faced giant difficulties, the remoteness of Mount Everest, the enemy that the altitude can be, the treacherous weather that can be absolutely ruthlessly unforgiving. But it had been his dream all of his life to conquer this mountain. And so on May 29th, 1953, he and Hillary accomplished what no other human being ever had. They stood at the summit of Mount Everest, the world's highest peak. That's a picture of uh, Norgay. And uh, when I see that picture, I have altitude height issues, you know, uh, scared, that type thing. My finger, uh, hand, uh, palms begin to, in fact, I can't talk when I look at the picture, so I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> but can you imagine the view? Can you imagine the view from there? Now, what's that got to do with any of us? Most of us will never, you know, face a mountain as steep or as severe as Mount Everest. 
But we all have our own challenges in stamina. Whether it's to open your own business or to provide an education for your kids or to turn a, a friendship into a lifelong love story or to conquer a self-defeating habit or take the next step in your spiritual journey. We all have mountains that we've got to climb. Mountains between here and there and there being our next that God has for each one of us. We're in a series right now we're calling next. God has a next for us. And usually there's a mountain between here and there. And, uh, and, and like Tenzig Norgay, we're, we're going to discover, if we haven't already, that mountain climbing is not for the faint of heart. You need to be equipped for it. The Bible says that the tool, now they, they would have an ice uh, axe uh, in order to help them climb and several other things. The Bible says the apparatus for us to climb the mountains that we have to climb is called faith. It's called faith. In fact, Jesus uh, said to his disciples in Matthew 17, 20, I'd like to read it out loud if we could. Hearing it at the campuses, it's at the top of your outline sheet or it'll be on the screen. Jesus said this. Let's read it together. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? If you had faith. Faith is the tool. Faith is the apparatus that helps us to climb the mountains that are between our here and there. And so how do you climb a mountain by faith? That's what I want to talk about. We're going to study, as we have every week, um, a character in the Bible, an Old Testament character uh, who uh, was, a, was a mountain climber. And uh, this guy's name is Caleb. And I love Caleb. He's one of my, my favorites. The older I get, the more I like Caleb. And while, while Norgay was 21 years old on his first unsuccessful attempt at his mountain, Caleb was 40 years old on his unsuccessful attempt. And then he was 85 when he finally got his shot at the mountain. And so maybe we'll learn something from here on how he got from here to there, okay? So let me read the scripture. Uh, it's found in the Old Testament. It's in uh, Joshua chapter 14. You can just kind of follow along. Story of Caleb. One day, some people from the tribe of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. One of them, Caleb, son of somebody from somewhere, said to him... Yeah, I'd like you to stand up here and pronounce these names. <laughs> you know, he didn't have a name like Smith or Jones or Johnson, you know, whatever, okay? All right, so that's what we're going to do. Just get, you say, well, I can't receive from a preacher that can't. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's all right. It's going to be okay. Okay, here's what he said. He said, Caleb said this to Joshua, who's now the leader. He said, you know what the Lord said in Kadesh Barnea? about you and me to Moses, the man of God. I was 40 years old when the Lord's servant, Moses, sent me from Kadesh Bardia to spy out this land. I brought an honest report back to, the, to him. And the men who went with me, however, made our people afraid. But I faithfully obeyed the Lord my God. And because I did, Moses promised me that my children and I would certainly receive our possession in the land which I walked over. But uh, now, look, it's been 45 years since the Lord said that to Moses. 
That was when Israel was going through the desert. And the Lord, as he promised, has kept me alive ever since. Look at me. I'm 85 years old and I'm just as strong today as I was when Moses sent me out. It's a selfie. He's got, he's got his camera out here. He's got kind of this bony arm up here like this. You can see just a little bit. Look at me, you know, he says. I'm just as good as I was at 45 years old. He said, I'm still strong enough for war and anything else. Now then, give me the hill. Give me the mountain that the Lord promised me on that day when my men and I reported. We told you then that the race of giants called the Anakim were there in large walled cities. Maybe the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out just as the Lord said. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh. See, I did it. And gave him the city of Hebron as his possession. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb because he faithfully obeyed the Lord, the God of Israel. Great story. Let's break it apart and get three or four things that we can uh, kind of take home with us today. As we do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the mountain that you have. There may be a mountain right now in front of you. You know, it might be, you know, just a small mountain, like the mountains in Mount Pleasant. I don't know where they are. Sure we have them. Or it may be like, you know, Mount Everest, just this huge mountain between you and, and where you think you need to be relationally or financially or spiritually or whatever it is. I want you to think about that mountain. Let's apply some lessons to it today. How do you climb a mountain by faith? First thing you got to have is the right attitude. Right attitude. And here it is. Here's the attitude. You've got to believe you can do it even if the facts don't support it. You've got to believe that you can do it even if the facts don't support it. See, in this story, Caleb's age, that's the facts. Caleb's age, 85 years old, okay? Caleb's age wasn't as important as his attitude. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as ready to fight now as I was then. Give me that mountain. I read that this week again. You know, sometimes you got to read the Bible. Sometimes you just read it and you let things go by. Other times you read it, read it with a critical mind. I read that. He says, I'm just as strong today as I was 45 years ago. And I go, seriously? I mean, I'm not 85 and I am not as strong as I was at 40. In fact, I'm feeling new, new things every day. It's an adventure every morning, getting out of bed, an adventure, you know. Seriously, he, do you believe that? Do you believe that he was as strong at 85 as 40? Here, here, here's the truth. It doesn't matter what you believe. He believed it. He believed it. And it led to an attitude that could conquer. Hebrews 11, in verse 1, says, Faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seeing it in advance. It's being certain of what we don't see. Attitude, you've got to believe you can do it even if the facts don't support it. See, we often say things like, I'll believe it when I see it. Have you ever said that? I'll believe it when I see it. And here's what God says. Nope, time out, time out. That's okay in your world, in my world, that's not how it works. In my world, that's backwards. There are some things that you've got to believe in order to see. It's called expecting the best by faith. Expecting the best by faith. That's what Caleb did. See, when you expect the best by faith, first of all, it honors God. It's like saying, 
my dad can do anything. It's the highest compliment that you can pay to God. William Carey, uh, the great missionary, said, expect great things from God and then attempt great things for God. I like that. Not only does it honor God, but it, it, uh, it increases your ability. Caleb is the toughest octogenarian on the planet at that particular time. You know, in the, great, in the words of the great theologian, uh, Toby Keith, uh, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. You know, that was probably Caleb's song, you know. <laughs> I can take one of those giants, I'll tell you what. And it encourages others. It encourages others. I'll bet Caleb inspired some other people because optimism is contagious. So let's make it personal. Uh, how's, how's your attitude today? How's your attitude? Are you expecting the best in your family? Are you expecting the best in your business? Are you expecting the best in your relationships? Are you expecting the best in your spiritual growth? Are you, how's your attitude? Are you kind of down, grumpy, complaining? You see the cup half empty? Or, or are you optimistic and expect the best? What are you expecting God to do in your life? You know, are you believing that you're too young or too old or too broken? What do you think God could do through you in the next, you know, month or two months or year or two years or 10 years or a lifetime, see? You've got to believe that you can do it even if the facts don't support it. Most of you know that we're, as a church, we're facing a great big mountain. I, I laid out to you an adventure last week. I laid out to you a dream that we have, a huge dream that we're expecting the best on. <laughs> the, the project we're talking about over the next two years is bigger than any one of us. In fact, Listen, I got spies throughout the congregation, and some of them told me this week, there are some of you that think I am absolutely crazy, and I think you might be right, okay? Crazy people make dents in the world. How many of you know that? And we're just, we're just believing. <laughs> Somebody said, what if it doesn't happen? Oh, you know, <laughs> who cares? You know, here, I care. I, I really do, but... Sometimes you just got to step out. Sometimes you just got to believe. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, God, just maybe, you know, just, just maybe, just maybe you can do something great. We laid out a dream of a church that cares as much about those who will be as those who already are. If you weren't here last week and you're part of this church, please, 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 before we celebrate our 25th anniversary next weekend, when everybody here, we're going to have fun. We got some surprises uh, we got people coming that haven't been here in a long, long time. Just some cool things going on. Before next weekend, please go on the, uh, online and watch last weekend's message, okay? Because I want us all to be on the same page. We laid out a dream of, of being a church that cares as much about those who will be as who already are. And we got real specific on it. In fact, uh, if you didn't get a booklet, I wrote the dream uh, in a little booklet. You can pick one of those up in the foyer, wherever you happen to be of, of your particular campus. But it's a dream of, of providing chairs, providing room for those who will be saved, not just those who already are. There's a story in every chair. We've been playing stories every week. We could play them on. I'm going to play another one uh, during this service. I saw another one that we had, we had done. I said, oh, I'm going to do that one too. I'll play it in just a few minutes. There's stories everywhere. And we want to be a church that cares as much about future stories as we care about stories here. And so, so we, we, need to, we need to expand and provide room. And, 
And, and it's about providing water and education and medicine and resources, including a, a new transitional home for the Dream Center for single mothers. It's providing a new Dream Center for the city of Charleston because we've been invited to do that. I'm so proud of what we've accomplished as a church around the world. I mean, literally, you guys, together, we have changed entire communities by providing clean water and schools and hospitals and churches and leadership development uh, centers. And we, we do 40 mission trips a year besides those things just to go and support those in various areas of the world. And many, many of you have, have been and you've gone. And, and through this, this next campaign, this, this next couple of weeks, we want to be able to do more. I, 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 I can't, honestly, I'm excited about going to heaven someday. And seeing the impact that this church made, the dent that this church made in the world. And uh, it's a big dream, but we got to go for it. And, uh, and we're also talking about providing space for the next generation to lead, to hanging on to the reins of leadership with open hands and, and raising up in and, and, and this next decade, uh, being more intentional about the next generation than we ever have in our lives. We've already begun. We've already brought in some of the best people in the world to help us with next generation stuff. We're going to open a Next Generation Leadership Academy. Somebody last week got so excited about that and said, what's that going to look like? And I said, I don't know. You're going to help me do it. If, you, if that excites you, let's give toward it. Let's get together and figure it out. I just believe God's going to do a great thing in the next 25 years through the next generation. And we're asking everybody to do their part. It's a big mountain. It's a financial mountain. In fact, you got a, a, a card on, the, on your seat as you came in. Pull, pull it out. Uh, we're we're going to bring these in next week. I just wanted to explain it to you just a little bit. I'm asking everybody to get involved. Everybody. Uh, you know, we won't all be able to be, get involved at the same level. Some of us will, you know, be able to give, you know, uh, uh, what seems like large amounts to us and small amounts when you look at the overall all picture. And others will be able to give larger amounts. It's, it's not about us doing the same thing because we can't. It's about us all getting involved and just saying, God, what do you want to do through me? And uh, what kind of adventure do you want me to be on? First part, part of the card talks about, you know, where I am in my giving right now. The back side of the card says our two-year commitment uh, over uh, for the next campaign. And the first line says what I normally give in a year. In other words, you just kind of think about it. What do I normally give? What, what, what's my normal level of giving? You know, if you give a couple hundred dollars a month and it turns out to be, you know, $2,400 a year, put that there. Or if it's $100 a week, you know, whatever it happens to be, just kind of add it up. This is what I normally give in a year. And then, and then I'm asking God to, to let me do more, to just do something great so that we can make an impact together as a church. And, and so my additional annual generosity, I'm just believing God for this amount over the next year Times two, because we're going to do it uh, for two years, but that's the, the one-year total there, and then times two. And then my stored resources, in other words, if you have stocks or savings or something like that, that you say, hey, this would be, or, you know, uh, uh, real estate, whatever it happens to be, this would be something that I think God's speaking to me to give. And then my two-year commitment, okay? So what I want you to do is this week is pray about it. Just pray. It's an adventure. Uh, giving is an adventure. When you... When you pray and then you give, it's an adventure, and, and, and uh, it invites 
the supernatural into our resources. And so I get excited about this stuff personally because we're doing this. Debbie and I are doing this. This doesn't benefit me a bit. It benefits the next generation. And so, and so I'm going to challenge you to do that. And then next week we'll bring these in and uh, we'll just celebrate together. We'll celebrate what, what God is, is, uh, has done. And you say, well, I'm not going to be able to be here this next week. You can send it in or you can bring it the, the following week. But we're going to celebrate together um, uh, what God's going to do uh, for, for the next few years. So how do you climb a mountain by faith? You've got to have the right attitude. It's believing before you see it. Here's the second thing that we learn about um, Caleb is that you've got to have the right sense of obedience. You've got to be willing to obey even when you don't understand it. Have you ever had to obey God when you didn't understand it? Have you? When kind of just didn't compute, didn't really make sense? Well, in the story of uh, Caleb that we read, if you go back 40 years, God had told Moses, the children of Israel, that he was going to give them a land. They were wondering, you know, they'd been in Egypt, and he said, I've got a promised land for you, current day Israel. And so, and so they're going to the promised land, and they get it just outside, and God says, that's the land I'm going to give, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 spies into the land and figure out what's the best way, what's the best strategy to take the land. He wasn't asking them to decide whether or not they were going to go, because God had already decided that. You're going to go. He said, just 12 spies to figure out what's the best strategy uh, for the land. And 10 guys, and Joshua and Caleb were among those spies. 10 guys came back and they said, the math doesn't work on this one. We just think it would be prudent for us not to go after this. In fact, Joshua says it like this. The other men went with me. They frightened the people. But I fully believe that the Lord would allow us to take the land. The numbers didn't work for the first 10 guys. And so 40 years later, Caleb is still ready to obey in spite of the odds. He says, now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me on that day when my men and I reported. Here's what was interesting. He said, we told you then that the race of giants called the Anakim were there in large walled cities. As I was reading that this week, I was saying, Lord, why, why did you include that detail? Why does he say, we told you then? Because that's what scared the people. We told you then. I think he's going... Listen, I got a realistic view of this thing. There's a huge mountain there. And if the, if, the, uh, if the giants were there then and their city was walled, 40 years later, I'll bet they're just tougher. I'll bet there's more of them. I'll bet they've learned to wall the city even better. We know that. I know that. It's not that I'm crazy. I'm not denying reality, he says. There's a, there's a serious mountain there. I love this next part. He says, maybe, circle the word maybe. Maybe the Lord will be with them. Well, be with me and I'll drive them out just as the Lord said. You know, sometimes you got to go on a maybe. You ever been there? We want definite. You know, we want to, I want to see it. You know, I, I, I want to, I want to know that I can do this. And Caleb's going, you know, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to expect the best. And I'm not really sure how this is going to work out. But he says, I'm willing to obey anyway. And uh, th there may be a mountain in front of you right now. And you're standing and you're waiting to attack the mountain. And uh, you're going to have to go on a maybe. You're going to have to go on a maybe. That's for somebody here. You're going to have to go on a maybe. Faith means following God and obeying God even when there's a touch of doubt. See, mountain taking always involves risk. Some people want a guarantee of success before they obey God. They read something in the Bible, God tells them something, and they say, okay, God, once you guarantee it's going to work, then I'll do it. And God says, well, that doesn't require faith. 
See? I, I want you to believe when you don't see it. I want you to obey when you don't understand it. That's called adventure. We started this church. Last place I thought my family would be was South Carolina. I'd heard of Charlotte. But I didn't know a whole lot about Charleston. Irritates me now when I go somewhere and people say, where, where do you live, you know, out on the West Coast especially. Well, uh, I live in Charleston, oh, and, and they think it's Charlotte. Who cares about Charlotte? This is Charleston. <laughs> I forget, I was one of them. <laughs> I'd already told God, I knew I was going to plant a church somewhere, and I'd already told him where. It's going to be somewhere west of Illinois, because I'm not going any east, you know. It didn't make sense. I'm glad we obeyed. We would have missed God. I think we would have missed God for a lot of people. Um, sometimes you just got to go on, you know, when it doesn't make sense. There are over a thousand commands in the Bible that says, God, God says, you do this and your life will be blessed. In other words, if you obey me, the supernatural will be involved in your life. You will, that's called the blessed life. You obey me and the supernatural will go further than what you can do naturally. You'll be blessed. And every time God tells you to do something, it's a test. Who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to God or am I going to listen to my own instincts? Am I going to do what God thinks is right or am I going to do what I think is right? Some of God's commands, they just seem unreasonable sometimes. Some of them seem kind of unusual. Oftentimes they're inconvenient. Some of them seem flat out impossible to do. But they're there for our benefit. Because God loves you and our Heavenly Father knows what's best. Sometimes that's hard to hear. You know, I heard about a guy that was, uh, he was hiking in a mountain, and he fell over a cliff, you know. And he grabs this branch about six or eight feet below the edge of the cliff, and he's hollering out, and he yells for help. Is there anybody up there, he says. Finally, he hears a voice, and it's the voice of God. The voice of God says, let go. He says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Sometimes when God's commands don't seem to make sense, you know, somebody, somebody hurts you. And it's not just a little thing, it's a big thing. You go, man, I'm hurt, what do I do? You're praying. The Lord says, forgive them. Don't hold it against them. When the right thing seems like retaliating, God says, God says that'll hurt you more. You need to get on with your life. And you go, is there another voice up there? This doesn't seem like the right thing. But if you obey God, you will live under God's blessing. You will walk in God's supernatural. If you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, God can bless your life. Now, what I've noticed over the years is that God often uses finances to test our faith. Have you ever had to decide between giving to God and paying a bill, you know, tithing and paying a bill? I have. Are you going to, it's a test. God says, are you going to trust me or are you going to trust your own wisdom? I love uh, Hebrews 11. It's a whole chapter on faith. And in Hebrews 11, 4, he says, it was faith that made Abel's offering to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved of his giving. See, Abel's giving got God's approval. That's a big deal. And it wasn't based on how much. It doesn't say anywhere, you know, how much he gave. It didn't, didn't really matter. It was his attitude. God approved of his attitude in giving. And God doesn't care about the amount that you give, okay? 
Uh, we're talking about this, this uh, next campaign where we're, we're going to together. It's not about how much. It's about your attitude in giving. I told you I got another story. I love this one because, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, if someday I'll have, you know, lots of resources or whatever and I'll, you know, I'll do great things for God. No, that's not what it's about. It's about doing something with what you've got. Take a look at Shannon's story. It inspired me. was actually one of the messages that Pastor Greg did in the um, White Flag series. He was talking about stealing and he was going, you know, um, you know, somebody steal from you. If, you know, what have you taken a pen from work? Did you take a pen from work and not take it back? And they also talked about stealing from God and that, um, you know, God's going to provide and I have a hard time trusting that. And he said, well, test God. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a finger poker. I'm going to test you. And so that's exactly what I did. And so I started with tithing. Her bag is over there. It's your best in your bag. I, I live paycheck to paycheck and I try to pay my bills, you know, and get everything that I need for my children. And I just didn't see any left over. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I did. And it hurt. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I did. And I just trusted. And I think it's a good step for me. It's telling me that I'm going to be provided for, that He is there for me and He's going to take care of me. Um, I worry less about the money, I worry less about paying the bills, I worry less about making sure if I have enough, because I really, there's enough. Somehow, some way, I have the money that I need. It's, it, it's being provided for me and it may be the time that I get overtime that day or that the holiday pay is on this paycheck when I really need it and it just it's there. It's wonderful. Oh, <laughs> it's wonderful. That's your book. Take all that. There we go. I don't know what I have to do in my life, but he does, and so he's teaching me and I'm I'm listening now. I'm listening now. I'm listening now. I love something else she said. I'm worrying less and trusting more. When you put it in God's hands, put it in God's hands. Just say, God. What do you want me to do? You worry less and trust more. In this whole area of giving, there's kind of two ways to do it. You can do it out of faith or fear. You can do it out of reason or revelation. Faith is adventure. It invites the supernatural. So you can give out a reason. Reason just goes, okay, I'm going to add up my bank account and figure out what I can afford and give. It doesn't require faith. In fact, you don't even have to believe in God to do, to do that. You do it to, you know, to charities or whatever, you know, and you don't have to really believe God. The second way to give, though, is revelation. That's what we're asking you to do. Just pray. Ask God. God revealed to me. Show me. What do you want me to do? And then simply to respond in faith. And if we all do that, if we all do that, I think that God will do something incredible uh, through us. Incredible through us. So if you're going to uh, uh, climb a mountain, you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to believe uh, before you see it, you got to have the right obedience. you got to obey sometimes before you understand it. Let me give you one more. And it's perseverance. We talked all about perseverance last week, but I had to add, if you're going to talk about faith, you got to talk about perseverance. And here's the, here's the statement on it. You've got to keep going even when you don't feel like it. 
you got to keep going even if you don't feel like it. I was studying a little bit about this mountain climb, Mount Everest. And um, there's what's called a death zone, fairly close to the top. It's where the oxygen level uh, drops to one-third of what it is at sea level. And in the death zone, they said you can see the summit. You can see it real clear. But it takes 12 hours to go one mile. In fact, the two guys that made it clear to the top took them, I think, three days to go 300 yards. Three days to go 300 yards. Most people quit. If you quit before you get to the top, the mountain wins. So, so do, you, do you ever feel like quitting? Maybe you feel like quitting right now on a mountain that's standing between you and where, uh, where God wants you to be. You just feel, I can't do it anymore. I feel like quitting. You know what? If you go with your feelings... You're going to be manipulated by your moods. I don't know about you. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. Do you? I don't always feel like being nice. That's my job to be nice. And I've said to you guys before that, uh, you know, we're all in ministry. I'm in vocational ministry just means uh, I'm paid to be good. You're good for nothing. Okay, that's just all that means. And there are days... I'm at Starbucks or I'm at a restaurant or I'm just talking to people. I don't feel like being nice. I've just got to be honest with you. I feel grouchy. I feel a little irritable. I, I want to be served. I'm tired of serving. Serve me today, will you? That's what I want. There are days I don't want to talk to God. How many of you have days you do not want to talk to God? You just, I don't feel like talking. I'm the only one. Okay, I'm just spewing here. <laughs> there are days I just don't, okay? Got to talk to God today. Okay, I'll do that, I guess. I'm a preacher. That's what I do, you know. But here's what I've discovered. When I most don't want to is when I probably most need to. If I only do the necessary things when I feel like it, the enemy of my soul will make sure I never feel like it. Successful people are ordinary people who do what most people don't feel like doing. See, they, they practice more. They work harder. They stay at it longer. When other people are, are just giving up, they're just getting started. Very few people become successful at what they do by accident. I love a quote that I found this week by George Patton, which says, uh, courage is fear holding on for another minute. Let that sink in. Courage is fear. Hold it on just for another minute. Thomas Edison said many of life's failures were men and women who didn't realize how close they were to success, how close they were to the top of the mountain before they gave up. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. Faith is doing the right thing, even when you're tired, even when you're moody, even when nobody else is doing it. Okay, so, so that's great, Greg. How do you develop that? kind of perseverance. Well, I'm glad you asked. Joshua 14, verse 14, last verse in that passage on, on Caleb says, Hebron still belongs. That's heritage. That's what we're looking for is heritage. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb uh, because he hold, don't be laughing. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read that again. You're going to pronounce those words. Let's read it out loud. In the campuses. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of... 
Yeah, you butchered it too. All right, everybody be quiet because the good part's in the last part. Because he wholeheartedly followed God. How do you develop perseverance? When you wholeheartedly follow God. You will never get it when you're halfway in. You will never get it when you're just kind of testing the water. You get perseverance when you wholeheartedly follow God. You keep your eyes on the prize. You keep your eyes on God. I remember growing up in Colorado, we used to go mountain hiking. Sometimes we'd go on a pretty steep hike and a long hike, and they would say, don't look at the mountain, you'll get discouraged. Don't look at the path, you'll get discouraged. You keep your eye on the guy right in front of you. You know what, that's a spiritual truth. The mountain can overwhelm you. The path can overwhelm you. Sometimes all you need to know is that there's somebody there with you. God is there. God is in the chase. That's why small groups are so important because you're going to need a group of people around you. Today we're filling out small group cards just to kind of let us know how we're doing and your campus pastor will let you know what to do with those. We believe in it because every one of us have mountains. And in order to climb a mountain, you're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to not quit. Some of you today are at the quitting point. You feel like you're ready to give up on something very, very important. Maybe it's your marriage. Or you're going to give up on going to school because this semester just seems so hard. Or you're ready to give up on a career or a dream or the hope of ever getting married. Some of you feel like your health situation is hopeless. I'm never going to get any better. Some of you think your finances are hopeless. I'm never going to get out of debt. You feel like giving up. Listen to me. God brought you here today. You're not here on accident. He brought you here so that you could hear him say through me, hang in there. Hang in there. Don't give up. Keep believing when you don't see it. Keep obeying when you don't understand it. And keep persisting when you don't feel like it. So you can get there. There's a mountain. There always is. Don't quit. Don't quit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to study one of the heroes of the faith. Caleb, give me this mountain. God, I just pray today as we kind of take some time to respond to, to your word that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see what doesn't exist but exists in you and in the, in the spiritual realm to align our lives and our attitudes and our obedience and our persistence toward that. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.